Hey everyone, and welcome back to One Step Beyond. I'm your host, Aram Arslanian, and I am a therapist and a CEO of Cadence Leadership and Communication. We're a firm that works with organizations throughout North America on leadership and how they interact with each other. So today we are going to have an incredible conversation with Emma Smith. Emma is the owner of Zimt Chocolates, which is a vegan chocolate company. And today we're going to talk about grit. And if there's one person I know that personifies grit, it's Emma. So tuck in and get ready for a great discussion. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about grit with our guest, Emma Smith from Zimt. I've really become interested in the idea of grit, you know, that toughness that lets you walk through the fire to get to your goal. You know, we all have it in greater or lesser degrees, but when we think about grit, it's just this big idea. What is it? How do we tap into it? How do we get there? And I feel the best way that we can have this conversation is through talking to people that really demonstrate grit and how they used it to attain their goal. So, Emma, welcome to the show. Thanks, Aram. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Okay, about myself, I'm just an average human, I would say, in many regards. It's easier for me to speak about what I do because that takes up a lot of my life. So I run Zimp Chocolates. I own it. I founded it. I've grown it. And like I said, it does take up a lot of my time. That's what I do. Okay, so tell us about Zimp. What is it? Zimt is a specialty chocolate company. We focus on everything vegan, everything organic, everything fairly traded. Everything has to be packaged with compostable materials. We really aim to keep waste super low, both in manufacturing and in the end product, and aim to create a really fantastic end product that, you know, really a wide variety of people would enjoy regardless of their lifestyle preferences or dietary preferences or needs. Mm-hmm. It's not really so much about like diet to me as what we're able to achieve through the ethics of Zimt. Okay, cool. So it's a vegan chocolate company that has a sustainable focus, mm-hmm. sustainability focus. Yes. And while you do provide a product really kind of like the through line is what can be achieved through doing things through an ethical focus. Totally. And that's, that's always been the case. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who was always crazy about chocolate. Like I like chocolate. I don't think there's anything wrong with it if it's done right, but I'm not a foodie. Like those foodie awards just came out and I'm like, it is completely appropriate that I was not on anyone's radar for that. (laughs) Because I just don't, like, it's just, it's not on my radar. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't care, right? right? Like, I want things to be a good representation Mm -hmm. of the company values, which are my values. Mm -hmm. But I I really don't, I'm not one of those. Yeah, I'm just not one of those foodie people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's hilarious. So for most people who start any kind of, you know, I would imagine like a a company that was a food product, they probably love that thing 
and then want to be on like, you know, the foodie list or whatever, whatever things. But that doesn't matter to you. No, it doesn't. And, you know, in a way, I feel a little bit guilty for diluting that market with my apathy. (laughs) But I also think it provides a really good platform and opportunity to inject what, in my mind, is far more important. Which is? Well, the ethical side of things. Okay. You know, you can get away, as we all know, with great branding, really solid marketing, buzzwords, good product. Mm -hmm. But I think... I think it's honestly really tough for consumers and just people in general to stay on top of what's really important, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's well, what's really important? I think what's really important is respect. And I think that extends beyond beings that we interact with on a daily basis, mm-hmm. directly at all, really. Indirectly is also just as important, mm-hmm. if not more, because we don't really realize how much we rely on other beings in our day to day. Okay. So is Zimt a chocolate company or an ethics company? That's a good question, Aram. Zimt is an ethics company that manufactures fantastic chocolate. Okay. Well, that's cool though. Like let's, let's cut to it. So like when you say stuff like that and, you know, I interact with a lot of, a lot of different kinds of business people and I'm always interested on how they focus their thinking on what they do and why they do it. So someone could say to me, hey, like um, Cadence is a communication and leadership firm. And I could say, yeah, I mean, for sure. But I'm a therapist that works in the corporate world. Mm. And my whole job is to help people do their jobs in a much cooler and more ethical way, Mm. a way that they feel good about and other people feel good about. That's really what I do. Mm -hmm. It's the psychology of leadership and communication. And then the things that I teach them afterwards are just part of how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say that your company is an ethics company and what you produce is chocolate because my company is a therapeutic company and what we produce is great leaders. That's cool. Yeah. And I I think it's a cool way of, of looking at things. But one of the things I love about your story is you literally have no background in chocolating or chocolatiering or is that what it's referred to? Chocolate yeah, chocolatiering, chocolate making. Yeah. Like they're two they're two different things. So you didn't you don't have a family background in it. You no. didn't go to school for it. No. You didn't have like a lifelong obsession with chocolate. No, absolutely not. You just one day were like, I'm gonna do this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um one could describe it that way for sure. Okay, so let's describe it. And for anyone who hears the occasional bark or the occasional growl, we have two dogs with us today. We have my dog Blue, who is known as Blue the Wise. He's mm. very calm and relaxed. And then we have Jesse the Terrible, who is sequestered in another room because he's being so loud and barky and growly. So if you hear that, just, you know, it's the special effects of the show. Roll with us here. All right. Yeah. So tell us how you started the organization. How did you even become interested in it? Well, it all started about 11, 11, 12 years ago, I would say. I had the opportunity to go to Europe and part of that time I spent visiting London. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with London, but there's an area called Camden Town and it's kind of like, it's a little bit of like a, like a hippie, it's got a hippie vibe, it's got a bit of like an alternative 
vibe going on. And of course, there's like a, a pretty prominent vegan scene there, right? Like even back in the day. So I'd spend quite a bit of time there whenever I went. And there was this one cafe there called Inspiral Lounge. I don't even know if they still exist, but I always made a point of going there because 11, 12 years ago, you know, vegan ice cream that didn't taste like garbage <laughs> was like you had to go to a different continent apparently to get it, right? So that was really, really exciting to me that this cafe offered what, especially back then, to me was like incredible vegan products, incredible vegan ice cream. And they also specialized in what I, I think they believe is chocolate. And I say what I think they believe is chocolate because if memory serves, everything was kept refrigerated and for chocolate to be, you know, really considered like good chocolate, it, it should be tempered. Mm -hmm. um, but they had, you know, a really incredible assortment of these chocolates. And I remember standing in front of this case and looking at everything and, you know, spending some time there. And I did not look right myself. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird. One of the staff who was working there, I was sitting down for a minute and she came over to me and she was like, oh, here, these are for you. And she handed me this gorgeous box of chocolate like just out of the blue and i was like i was i was pretty blown away right because that doesn't often happen that was an expensive box of chocolates and why did they do that i think it's because i think it's because i looked really unhealthy <laughs> they were like we need to help this poor person pretty much <laughs> okay. yeah okay. yeah and all right so you you have this experience there yep and then and then what and then fast forward a year or two, I'm finishing up my commerce degree and realizing that I unfortunately don't have any corporate experience. Dawned on me a little late. In my defense, though, like I did make appointments to see guidance counselors or the guidance counselor, I should say, or career counselor at my school. Uh, didn't really didn't really pan out. So I was thinking about career paths and what I should do after being a student. And I had I had always wanted to start my own business and I'd want to start it when I had relatively few responsibilities. Mm. Which I apparently I apparently still have relatively few responsibilities. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but you know it was kind of a a perfect time for me to do that. Mm. At the same time, though, I had been working for a company with really similar ethical standards to what I have. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, perhaps I can just go work with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like ethics is the goal. It wasn't chocolate. Mm -hmm. And if I can offer something of value to their company and help them grow and really get towards a common goal, then I'd. I was more than happy to do that. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have some big plan on starting your own company. You thought of it. It was kind of interesting, but it was more about the ethical side of it. Yeah, totally. So what led you then to deciding to go out on your own? Well, you know, Aram, I really, I really did give it a good go with this company, mm -hmm. but I think I was pretty green, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was just this kind of scrawny nerd student who was kind of a try hard <laughs> and was just like, let me do whatever you need, please. Yeah. But you know, the sentiment was not quite received as I had hoped. Okay. Um, so after, you know, however many months of trying and, and saying like, hey, like, can I look at your business plan? Can we go over this? Can we go over that? Like just 
all on my own time. Like, no worries, guys. I'll come in. I'll help you. And, you know, one one comment in particular that rings a bell that may have swayed me in another direction. I thought, okay, well, this isn't working out. And I, quite frankly, haven't done any research or have any other prospects within the city mm-hmm. for whom I would like to work with. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, okay, well, you know, green means go. Mm-hmm. I should probably just do this thing on my own. Well, right? What was the comment? Uh, the comment was... You should just be a model. Oof. Okay, so you it's go so in. I'm I'm way too short. Well, well first of all, anyways, <laughs> so you go in. You're you're trying to help this business, mm-hmm. and you want to be a part of a business because you believe in their ethical standards. Mm-hmm. You're trying to apply yourself, and they're they're not really interested. And then you get this comment, and and I imagine other comments that are similar like that. So you decide to start your own thing, but you have zero background you are building a company literally from the ground up Mm -hmm. and you don't even know how to make chocolate you don't even particularly love chocolate so there's two things first i want to understand how grit overall plays into the story but tell us about like what what made you think yeah i'm just gonna go do this and then doing it to where to getting to where it is today well you know i really enjoyed that box of chocolates around Mm -hmm. And I recognized that, you know, although the market in Vancouver wasn't quite there yet, Mm -hmm. there were little glimmers of, you know, that whole natural, organic, almost spiritual world of things. And it was always it was always there in Vancouver, just hadn't hit mainstream. Right. So this is like 12 years ago. Yeah, this is 12 years ago, Okay, 12 years ago. And like the food scene in Vancouver at that time. And again, I'm not a a foodie Mm. person, but. The thing that I can say is uh, being a, a vegan for a long time, the food scene was pretty dispersed. There wasn't like, you know, vegan grocery stores or a lot of vegan places or even a lot of vegetarian places. And, you know, back in 1997, when we were vegan, there was the idea that everything was great. Like you'd eat ice cream, you'd be like, oh, mm, this is just as good as real ice cream or, oh, this is good as real cheese. No, no, it was a total lie. We were lying to ourselves. It was majority awful and then small part somewhat okay Mm -hmm. really like and it was total group think and you know you knew you were lying yep because it tasted like milky grass but lying together yeah it was lying together yeah (laughs) vegan food was like largely like mock food like things that were like fake ice cream or fake cheese or whatever yeah processed processed food was largely not good like normal vegan dishes were great like you know because there's a lot of different um from different uh cultures there's a lot of incredibly naturally vegan food but things that were like processed to mimic other things were not good in 1997 and even 12 years ago they were pretty pretty terrible still so it's 12 years ago Mm -hmm. you know the market is not there Mm-hmm. It's kind of dispersed maybe in the background. What gets you after leaving this business to say, oh, my next move is I'm not going to try and go join another company. I'm going to start my own. Yeah. Well, again, it comes back to the ethics and I really couldn't find and I honestly I didn't even make a solid effort to try and find another company with who I would align in terms of ethics. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was out there. Um it wouldn't have been a large enough company for me to have heard about. Mm-hmm. And again, like that complete and utter lack of responsibility at the time, I thought, you know, just if you're going to screw things up for 
you know, for a company, like screw it up for your own company. Like yeah. just like, what, like, what do you have to lose at this point? Mm-hmm. Like you got no mouths to feed, mm-hmm. right? Like just go do it. Mm-hmm. So I went and did it and yeah, it was, you know, it was a different time. It was a different time for sure. But you know, there, there were other aspects to the, to the product mm-hmm. that people really appreciated that, you know, they still hold true today. Like people, you know, they still want to support like a local small business. Um, you know, they may not really understand all the, all the details, mm-hmm. all the nitty gritty, if you will, of, you know, what that encompasses, but yeah, they have a basic idea. Like this is what we want to do. Okay. Well, let, let's like, let's bring it right back because you're starting your own business from the ground up. You know nothing about chocolate. Yes. What were the the barriers? What were the roadblocks that you hit? And then how'd you get through them? Like talk about the big ones, the ones that were like brutal, tough, hard. Uh, you know, they still exist, of course, mm-hmm. all the time, every day. There's the basic stuff. Like honestly, chocolate in and of itself is just awful to work with. Like anyone in the culinary world will tell you that. It's why I think not many people do it compared mm-hmm. to say like, you know, you start your own bakery, you start your own like, you know, whatever. Like it's not, it's not fun. It's fun to eat. Yeah. Right. It's not fun to work with. Very fickle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was a challenge and remains a challenge. And of course, with scaling up presents, you know, different aspects to that challenge. Right. Because you literally just started making it in your kitchen. Is that correct? Yes, that's okay. right. So you were making it in your kitchen. Yeah. How did you even figure out how to sell it? <sighs> that's a good question. I guess it was just, you know, it was it was harnessing my network right and and working within that so Um, were you just selling it to friends at first or like what did you do yeah at first i I remember my first sale was uh i attended church back in the day and i think it was to a church i had attended um Mm -hmm. they were they just wanted to support right because they knew i was starting this thing and they're like oh easter's coming blah blah blah, give her an order that's so very sweet of them. You you had just basically told people like, hey, I've started a chocolate company. I did, yes. Okay, so let's take even a step back. How did you figure out how to make chocolate and how did you like develop a recipe that you were like, oh, this is good? That's a funny story, Aram. So I was really not proud of my base recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really not proud of it. I didn't have any just solid dark chocolate bars with nothing added. Mm-hmm. Not at all, because I thought it tasted weird. Um, So I'd add like, you know, whatever else, like peppermint, like coffee, coconut, like anything to kind of mask what it actually was and to like make it still taste good. But I couldn't rely on, you know, just the plain like straight goods, right? Developing the recipes, it just takes time. It Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time. And over the years, I've kind of refined it a little bit. But let's let's go all the way back. Like. So day one, I'm going to start a chocolate company. Like, how did you even learn how to do it? Because again, 12 years ago, of course the internet existed, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't imagine the resources that are on there today were, were on there back then. How'd you figure it out? You know, I got an ebook, right? Yeah. I got an ebook on uh, raw chocolate making. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some weird ingredients in there. Some I definitely did not have. Mm-hmm. I invested in a Vitamix, mm-hmm. right? Cause that was, that was a recommendation. Like, oh, you need a Vitamix dude. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure. Uh, so I invested in a Vitamix and I'd never used a Vitamix or it had been years. The thing's loud. It's loud <laughs> in, in a residential kitchen. I thought yeah. I was going to like, you know, trip all the breakers and just like blow out the electrical in my home. Right. Those, yeah, it was like violent sounding. Um, <laughs> so th- 
that I remember very clearly. That's mm-hmm. just trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved away from the Vitamix because it turns out it wasn't a solid approach right. at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and years later, it's like it's hilarious to think that that was even suggested. Like right, it, right. it really makes absolutely no sense. Right. Um, but you know, I think the ebook did pretty well for people. Oh. Um, so you start you start with that, and you're yeah. kind of just trial and error mm-hmm. in the kitchen. So how long from like day one that you start literally making chocolate mm-hmm. to you have something that you say, yeah, I actually could possibly sell this. So like before that first sale, how long did that take? It was a couple months, I would say. Okay, so a couple months of just trial and error. Yeah, trial and error. How did you like? I would imagine your first batch wasn't very good. How did you keep yourself going through that couple months? You know, I think it was kind of similar to your perspective of what was decent in 97, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like you create this thing. It's like, oh my God, it it looks like chocolate, kind of tastes like chocolate. Like this is incredible. (laughs) So you're just lying to yourself. I was very convinced. Okay. I was very convinced. And you know what? I was convinced also because of the product attributes. I was like, okay, you know, it's got this and this and this going for it. Like, what more do people want? This is incredible. Right. So, so you, belie- you believed in your product. I did. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So belief gets you through those few months. Yes. That you get your first sale. Yep. How did people react to the chocolate? It sold, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, the first couple shops I approached, they were kind of off the beaten path and, you know, a little unconventional. And of course, you know, the market gravitated towards those locations. Mm-hmm. So it sold, right? Mm-hmm. It sold it sold pretty well and just built and built and built things from there. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, feet on the street, just cold calling. Okay. Well, so let's, because this is important. So mm-hmm. church sale. Yes. Great. We've done it. We've sold, we have now sold something. Yes. So how do you go from church sale to getting it in stores? Like, how did you actually do that? Because you, you're, you're kind of pushing through that part as if it was like, oh, I did these things, but actually that's the thing I'm interested in church sale so you had a network of people mm-hmm. who were like let's help this person that was very kind yes right yes so then what you know with food especially in this in this country and especially in the lower mainland i should say eh, maybe not maybe not just in the lower mainland but definitely in canada like there are a lot of regulations yes like, so many regulations to follow you can't make food in your home kitchen and sell it to retailers okay if you would like to get shut down, you can totally do that. But right. Otherwise, don't. Right. Um. So finding a commercial kitchen to manufacture out of was a really it was a big hurdle for sure. And basically, I just I reached out to any community center, any church, probably some synagogues, like anywhere that would have <laughs> like, you know, anywhere that would be like, oh, let's help this poor kid out, you know, and have a commercial kitchen. And I happened to make it happen with this one church that was actually it was pretty near my home at the time and they were great like it, it took a while they didn't answer my email but it just so happened that you know i was at the bank and i guess one of their members was there as well and we got to talking and she was like oh just go talk to john and i was like okay I'll go talk to john like went down the street and talked to john and then yeah all right so church sale mm-hmm. and then you're like i'm going to do this on a bigger scale i'm going to try and get into stores yes okay so how am i going to do that i have to find uh, i have to find a um a proper kitchen yes. to be able to do that in. and there's you're just opening up every door you're calling people you're sending emails you're like let me in let me use your kitchen mm-hmm. nobody's responding but you just keep doing it yeah you keep going so you get that first proper kitchen space mm-hmm. 
How did you then go to get from, okay, I'm creating it now in, a, in the proper kitchen. How mm-hmm. did you get into the stores? Into stores? I mean, it was a lot easier now that it was legal, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, from there, it was just just manufacturing like samples. That's an expensive part. It is expensive, right, mm-hmm. to, to provide samples to stores. Um, but you have to do it, especially in early, in early stages. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just like... It just takes a lot of time, like yeah. going, meeting people, giving them stuff. Do they like the stuff? Do they not like the stuff? Why don't they like the stuff? What can we change? You know, so it, it's it's a lengthy process for yeah. sure. It's just like iteration after iteration after iteration. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what about packaging? How did you even learn how to do that? Oh, geez. Packaging is continues to be maybe not the bane of my existence, but it's pretty annoying. I've always said that about you. Really? Yeah. Packaging. That's the bane of her existence. <laughs> you can just see it on her. <laughs> it's written all over your style. Yeah. She hates that stuff. Okay. So how did you figure that out? <laughs> Packaging. Well, you know, back in the day, we weren't all super familiar with why plastic, like petroleum-based plastic is not necessarily the best way to go. And I knew that I really wanted to offer a product that was fully biodegradable, mm-hmm. right? And so I found a little company online and they sold these like pre-made bags. And unfortunately, they didn't have a size of bag that would appropriately fit the product. Mm-hmm. So that's where my Oma came in. Mm-hmm. Oma is grandma. And she she's the best. She helped me so much. Like she hand sealed like thousands of these little bags to be the proper size and like cut them and like, have them all ready for me. Like, like that's incredible. That's incredible. Right? Yeah. It's like it's just like an angel, right? Mm. People need that, right? Yeah. Like people who are trying to take on big weird things. Like I just feel it's so vital to have those individuals in life who are just like, yeah, I got a minute. Like, yeah, let me help you out. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's everything. Like it totally keeps you going. So, so that did that. And, um, yeah, coming up with an end product that, you know, not only was legal, mm-hmm. I, I think I spent the first like two or three months just studying like the Canadian Food Inspection Agency's website for yeah. labeling requirements. Yeah. Um, it's not the easiest to follow. They're a little vague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so little... you literally had to figure out how do I make chocolate? Yep. Then how do I package chocolate mm-hmm. and label it and everything? and create packaging that I believe in that is like sustainable, but actually like meets Canadian code, then how do I get it into stores? And you did all of this, you know, with some help from family and friends Mm -hmm. and from, you know, your wonderful Oma. Mm -hmm. But essentially you did this on your own. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You get it now up to the point where it's actually in stores. You know, you go through all the sampling, the relationship building and all of of that kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you turn it into a brand that people started to like really recognize mm-hmm. and then all the way to, to getting into your own cafe now and your own factory and your own space? I just one step at a time. Yeah. Right? Just one step at a time. Um, it's a lot of steps. Yeah. And there's a lot of backward steps or the steps that feel like they're pulling you back. It's just one step at a time. What was your biggest like disaster? The thing that almost took you out of this? Oh, geez. I think that my breaking point or like near breaking point was probably in, I want to say like it was October of this past year. Um, I was setting up the cafe, which 
it wasn't that difficult honestly. like mm-hmm. once once you get through um like the city requirements which are a little dumb right mm-hmm. it's a little dumb like unfortunately there are a lot of different ideas um about how rule books are written mm-hmm. right but after that like it's it's not the worst but it was working on getting the cafe sorted out and then you know it's honestly like the production side of things mm-hmm. that's always the trickiest mm-hmm. like even small scale mass producing a product mm-hmm there's always something that's a challenge and our equipment was not doing well. And this wasn't like, this isn't like garbage equipment, right? Like it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not performing. And one batch of white chocolate that was made again, like dark chocolate, fickle, vegan white chocolate. Like that's kind of uncharted territory, mm-hmm. right? Extremely fickle. And the ingredients were not added in the proper proportions with the right sequence so i show up one morning before anyone else is there i think a shipment was coming in and i was like oh that's weird i don't hear the melanger running which is like this giant like this giant drum with two really big um stone wheels that just like grind down all the materials for days i'm like that's weird like i don't hear it running and I went and looked at it and it had tripped overnight and all the chocolate in there was solid. And it's like 70 kilos of chocolate. Yeah. And like a giant machine that on a good day is like such a pain in the ass to handle. Like right. it's it's like this huge, horrible, like almost, honestly, it's like almost kind of dangerous to mm. deal with it. Uh-huh. So I try to deal with it. Like, I, I don't just get anybody to clean it, right? Because right. it's like, I don't have a death wish for any of my employees. <laughs> right. So... Um, it was that point mm. where I was just like, like, really like this, mm. like, this is like, this is it. So, you know, having to dig through all that and like repair the product, like that's one thing, but really it came down to like, how am I teaching people how to do stuff? And like, what is my staff understanding? And like, how am I doing this wrong? Mm. And what am I having to take on and like delay growth? Yeah. Because again, it's like it steps back. Yeah. Right. So I'm having to fix all this stuff that really like had systems being much more clear and more understood mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have happened. Um, and I know it doesn't sound like a big thing, but I think, you know, in conjunction with, you know, training, um, yeah, setting up the cafe. Um, just like, I don't oh, you know, another one of our machines that we really rely on was not working. It hadn't worked for like a year and a half and that was a bit brutal. And then, uh, I also realized I had to, you know, maybe take some to small claims. So it was like, well, yeah, maybe there were a few things. Okay. So there was like that lead up around the factory and the, and the cafe yeah. that was like really tough. All right. So we've got this incredible journey from starting 12 years ago and just saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create a company that matches my ethical beliefs and I'm going to focus on chocolate because I see there's a good opening in the market. You know, there's something I can do. I can learn. Mm -hmm. You build this up over time. You figure out how to make chocolate. You figure out how to sell it, Mm -hmm. how to package it, how to expand um, your, your brand. Now you've got this actual physical space. You've got a factory, you've got a cafe. Mm -hmm. How many uh, staff do you have? Right now it's three. Okay. Yeah. Two are very part-time. Okay. So tell me about the role grit played in this. Oy. 
I mean, honestly, Aram, like other than taste testing and maybe like, you know, some earlier times, like not a lot of it's very fun. I have to say, like, you know, it amazes me and it shouldn't, but it amazes me when people just hear chocolate factory and they're like, that's got to be the best. Like everyone wants to work at a chocolate factory and perhaps they do because they don't know. But honestly, like it's tough work. It's really hard work. Like the production itself is like, it is no joke. It is hard. Like you should be pretty strong to get it done. Um, so that, that's tough. And then now, like, as I've, you know, tried to transition away from that and delegate that, as you know, people are tricky. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so tricky. Like, I just, honestly, I want people to enjoy coming to work. And I want it to be not only possible to have, like, a good number of people employed, like, mm-hmm. enjoying their job, all this. Mm-hmm. It also has to, you know, it has to work with demand, of course. So it's just, it's juggling, it's juggling all of that. Mm -hmm. And keeping people happy is really challenging. Right. So if you think about that and Mm -hmm. all of the the challenges you faced, Mm -hmm. how did you power through it? You know, because it's like, it's not fun. It's tough. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, you believe in it and you want to do it. But even think of like now the human factor and dealing with people and creating this space and, and all those things. How did you power through it? Uh, you know, I guess I just I didn't really give too much emotional th- thought to it, if that's even a thing. Right. Like it's kind of just it's just like, OK, well, like really, what what choice do you have at this point? Like if I were, if I were like I'm in so deep, like, you know, like how, how do you dig up? Right. right, right. So. Like that just remind, like, I don't even have to remind myself of that. It's just like, you're kind of screwed if you don't keep going. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what are you, like, really, what are you going to do? It's like, yeah, okay, what am I going to do? I don't know. I guess I just have to keep going. Okay. Yeah, no sleep. Okay. Keep going. Um, That's kind of it. Like, I, I think thinking about things, I'm at my worst when I think about things. Okay. <laughs> like, I, re- I really, like, yesterday morning, I'm happy that we're here this morning as opposed to yesterday morning, because yesterday morning, this would have been very different. I was thinking about things, mm-hmm. and I hadn't had that, like, click in the middle mm-hmm. of the night where, like, I've sorted something out of my brain right. that would make, you know, continuing the day when I'm actually supposed to be awake mm-hmm. um, at least somewhat easier. Right. So, like... I know, I know what it is for me. It's like a lot of people are just like, oh, you just need to take a break and you need to take a couple days, like go do whatever, like go sit on a beach. I'm like, no, that is the worst thing for me. Cause you know what? If things aren't sorted out, it doesn't matter what beach I'm on. Like things are not going to get sorted out if the work isn't put in. Right. And I, I don't really need that. Like I don't, I don't really feel a need to like have any extended or even like you know, three day recharge. I don't really feel that need. Um, it would probably be nice, maybe. But only after really critical aspects are sorted out. Okay. So two things that I've or actually three things I've heard so far. Um the first is once you're on the path, you're on the path. There's no going back. Right. So that's part of your of your grit is like I'm on the path. I'm screwed if I go backwards. And it's like, if I'm swimming across this body of water, I've gone past the halfway mark. I know I have to just keep going. So one is like fully commit. You're all in. That's part of your grit. Um, The second 
is when you said, you know, I'm at my best when I don't think about it too much. Mm -hmm. It's just get it done. Don't be in the agony, be in the the solution. Mm, Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then the third thing that I'm, I'm hearing here is, you know, it's, at least for you, it's about part of the reward is the solution rather than the like three days on the beach. It's mm-hmm. the like figuring out the critical things, like get those things out of the way mm-hmm. and then give yourself the right downtime. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. And it's like, it's for a longer term goal, mm-hmm. right? Like short term. Okay. I have three days. But then like what like what is that going to look like when I'm back at work? Mm-hmm. I'm just three days behind. Things are more disastrous. Yeah. Everything's negated. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not worth it. Yeah. Not worth it. But how do you practice self-care? So like grit is such an important part of your story, like just having the willingness to do it and like really committing and really pushing through. Like, you know, and what, something you've said to me before is like, I just don't give myself space to let that kind of emotional burden overwhelm me. And you, you hit that one time when you're setting up the cafe where it almost did. Mm-hmm. But how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I work out. I know that's important to do. Mm-hmm. I eat veggies. Mm-hmm. I know that's important to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Um, Two things, actually, that really are super helpful. And I like, I feel it. You know, like you feel it's it's different. It's not just like, oh, this is an obligatory thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I must do this. Like, eat my five to ten a day, whatever. First is MMA. I don't go to class very often. But when I do... And if it's depending upon like the teaching style, because different instructors have different teaching styles and different focuses. But if it's just like there's this one exercise called random and basically like you're just in a circle with other students Mm -hmm. and one person has to go in the middle and then it's just like random attacks. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to defend and, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. get through having that like and having that be just my focus for even like two minutes is amazing and it's really cool because it's not just like focusing on one thing that gets my mind off of you know whatever else is going on mm-hmm. it's two minutes where like i can learn something and achieve something and be proud of it yeah. it's like it's it's cool to like you know be able to take somebody down like respectfully <laughs> Right? Well, and it sounds like an immersive experience. Like you have to be paying full attention because you're like in this thing where any outside thoughts are going to distract you from doing what you're going to do. Yeah, you should be focused. Right. So yeah. like part of your recharging is like putting yourself in a situation where there's like clear challenge. You have to totally be focused on it. Mm-hmm. And there's something like you can win at, you can learn it and you mm-hmm. can learn, you can win, you can learn. And if you apply yourself, you're going to be able to overcome. Yep. And that's a way of recharging. Yeah. So that's one. What's the other that you'd mentioned? The other is, and I'm, I'm still struggling with this one because I'm a little new. I'm a little green. The meditation, um, a very wise and wonderful man gifted me a year of meditation courses for my birthday. <laughs> what is that saying Aram? <laughs> What's he trying to tell me? <laughs> I can't can't quite figure it out, but I'm going to keep trying. Do you want my opinion as a therapist? Uh, nope, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well played. All right, so and meditation's been helping? Meditation, you know what? I I think it will be. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very, like, holding out hope. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's that magic pill. Like, yeah, I just yeah. got to focus for, like, yeah. 10 minutes. And, like, you know, honestly, it's, it's probably, like, total maybe two minutes right. um, collectively where I'm not thinking about other things. But... 
it's a really nice sense of relief where you just have that yeah honestly like a second or two where your mind's just a bit clearer and it feels a lot less like there's a lot less pressure yeah. like my brain kind of feels like it's getting compressed yeah. from all sides often yeah um so it, it's it's really quite wonderful to to put that time aside and and have the goal of achieving that that focus and also that that little just like lift for yeah. just a second okay yeah. um this is such a cool story and there's there's something that really is important to me about providing a space where people can talk about i just did this thing mm -hmm. you know i just decided to do it and i am a firm believer you know like all of the the systems that are in place all of the titans of industry all of these things everything's impermanent mm. you know you could look at a mountain and say that's forever that mountain's not forever you can look at a wall and say that's forever it's not forever and you can look at companies as big as they are you know, there's no company that's too big to fail. Mm -hmm. And when you look at things that way, you start challenging the idea of what you can do as an individual mm. and that an individual doesn't have to be bogged down by a system because a system, it's temporary. No matter how long we think it's going to last, it's just temporary. And there's always ways around it or through it. And I think your story is such a perfect example of, oh, I'm just going to do that thing and I'm going to figure it out. And the places where I have to play by the rules, I'll play by the rules in my own way. And the places where I don't have to play by the rules, I'm going to write new ones. Mm -hmm. And your story for me is one of just someone who has incredible business sense and the courage and drive to make it happen no matter what. And uh, I really thank you for coming and sharing like such an inspirational and really powerful story. Thank you very much, Aram. Thank you, you. You bet. So as we're wrapping up, I want to encourage everyone to think about What's a wall? You know, some people think a wall is something that's going to keep you out. Some people think a wall is something that's going to hold you in. When I think about a wall, the first thing I think is, how do I go over it? How do I go around it? Or how do I go through it? All the systems that are in place that seem prohibitive to starting your own business or advancing in your career, they're all temporary. You just need to figure out your path of how to get through it. And Emma's story is one that I feel is very applicable to whether or not you're starting your own business or if you're in an organization where you're hoping to grow. There's always a path. And that path starts with your belief in yourself, your belief in your ethical code, and your willingness to work as hard as you can to achieve your goal. That's it for the show. And Dave, drop the beat. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, Emma. Uh, that was a really inspirational conversation for me. One of the things that stood out for me is, you know, taking a leap, like taking a risk. That's something that a lot of people can do, but having the grit and, the, and just that toughness to work through all of those challenges that Emma was talking about and to really stay focused and just know it's going to get there because you're going to make it get there, that takes a really special person. I hope that everyone listening felt that they saw a little bit of themselves in her story and also felt uplifted about what else they could achieve if they're willing to A, take the leap and B, be willing to put it all on the line and work your butt off to get there. So one of the things I'd encourage everybody here, almost anything's possible if you're willing to make it possible. And that means working hard and believing that you're going to get there. 
Thanks everyone for joining us and I look forward to seeing you next time on One Step Beyond.